Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar. This is going to be episode eight of The Informed Catholic. And this is going to be the readings for uh, the fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time. So let's begin with the uh, penitential, penitential act. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do. Through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault, therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray for me and with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Okay, and now to the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. This is the uh, reading for the um, fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time, uh, Cycle A. This is from the book of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 58, verse 7 to 10. Your light shall break forth like the dawn. A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, share your bread with the hungry, shelter the oppressed and the homeless, clothe the naked when you see them, and do not turn your back on your own. Then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall quickly be healed. Your vindication shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you remove from your midst oppression, false accusation, and malicious speech. If you bestow your bread on the hungry and satisfy the afflicted, then light shall rise for you in the darkness, and the gloom shall become for you like midday. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, um, what's interesting about this, yes, as Christians, we're supposed to 
um, do good. But not good for the sake of good. Not in a sense that good is the answer to everything. No, we do good for the love of Christ. We do these things, yes, for the love of God himself. Because we love God. And we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. But in a sense to care for the other person as we would care for ourselves. As, you know, but also because we love God. Because you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all, with with your life and your will. Because you love God. God is the, the beginning and the end all of everything. But the problem, there's a problem, a serious problem, I think. And this is something that's spoken up by everybody. In the, ma the modern uh, Catholic. Somewhere along the line, Catholicism became a activist religion. Catholicism became a socialist religion. We, we turned activism for the sake of activism. And many of our bishops, I think, have, in a sense, think that way. It's easier to, 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 to run with society than to think of pleasing Christ. In a sense, it became political. It became political as in a sense in the Marxist context, in the socialist context. Yes, you are to clothe the hungry, feed, feed the poor, but you feed them for the salvation of, of their souls. You show them that there's hope not that because, in a sense, there's this thing now where I think the poor, it's, it's really, in a sense, in the Marxist context, the poor is exploited. Exploited as a tool. Just as religion, the institution of religion is exploited. The, the purpose... The whole purpose of, of our Catholic faith is to help other souls find their way to heaven. Jesus said himself, the poor will always be with you, but I will not always be with you. In other words, he knows that there are some people within Catholicism, within the members of his church, that will not have God, that will not have him in their hearts that will not he will not be present in their hearts because it's they like the structure of religion rather than the substance which is Christ you need him you need him you the to help the poor you have to bound, you have to heal their broken hearts. Heal 
their blindness. Sometimes blindness in the sense that they see that there's no hope. Broken hearts because they're broken hearted and because also a lot of times worse than poverty, worse than being in poverty is sin, is living in sin. Even a rich man can be brokenhearted, blind, and wandering in the wilderness because of a life of sin. Sin is the cause, is worse than poverty in the eyes of God. It's being captive in evil to evil. You are under the oppression of the tyranny of the devil. And that, that is the real, real problem. There's a lot of young, young people who think that radical individualism and, and not living, not living a moral life they think that they're living free. They think they're independent. And so many of them are being misled and being abused, sexually abused, and also exploited. Like this, this whole trans thing, this whole thing of, of, of living in, 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 in this radical sexual uh, trans, trans mania. Even uh, there was an image the other day of a young woman who had her breast removed because she wants to be a man. And it's destroying them. It's destroying their, their minds, their, the way, you know, you know the, their understanding. I mean, God does not miss, make mistakes. You have, they have been corrupted by and poison their minds and their imaginations and the person that God created them to be has been poisoned by a sickness that is satanic in its nature. It's not, it's not natural and it's destroying them. We, we have to, we have to, we have to also capture the reality that we're living in a sinful, fallen world. And we need Christ to deliver us. We need him to be the answer. He is the, the new Moses. He is our liberator. In, in, in Catholicism, somehow we've lost that. That was the whole purpose of Vatican II. The whole purpose of Vatican II is evangelization, to evangelize, because the world back then was changing. They noticed it. They noticed it, in a sense. There was a, a, a problem, but somewhere along the way, some people with very Marxist and Leninist ap approach hijacked it and turned and tried to turn it into something political.
because they wanted to use the church and its resources and the, the platform the church possessed to radically change the culture. In some cases, they did. They were successful. But sadly, it only made things worse. Because to a Marxist-Leninist, the church is only so far, only, only up to a certain point, useful. So... We need, we you know, we need, we need to start to start focusing on that. To fo start focusing on Christ as our Savior. You're not, you're not. No one's going to solve the world's poverty problem. No one's going to solve that evil because there's there's evil because you could focus on. The material, the body, but you ignore the soul. All right, you ignore the soul. There is now a poverty of the soul. People are not happy. People are depressed. People, even with people, have abundance of things. I mean, even the old person has a cell phone. People actually have abundance in the West. There's, you know, they're materialistically blessed. They have everything they need. But the problem is their soul is empty. Their lives are empty. They're, they feel meaninglessness. They feel they do not have, they don't have any meaning. A lot of them don't have families. And so what happens is they created a society of material content, but spiritually empty. And that in itself is the real, is, 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 is the real danger because a poor, a poor person can be, can have faith and they don't care about their poverty. They trust God and God will deliver them from, you know, from day to day. This is why our faith, what does our Lord say? Do not worry where you're going to eat, where you're going to sleep, what you're going to wear. For your heavenly father knows you need these things even before you ask him. For even the pagans need the same thing. And your heavenly father takes care of them as well. So you see that the soul is more important than the body. And he said so. Is not life more important than clothing? Is not the soul more important than the body? Oh, you a little faith. The liberation of the soul from sin is far more important then because you could still be materialistically captive. That's the point. And lost. And in, in sin and heading towards damnation. Then you're then constantly thinking that, oh, we're constantly all oppressed. You could be sexually captive and in prison in perversion and miserable.
Yes, that's serious. You need Christ as the answer. We have to understand this. We have to look at this. We have to understand that this is the this is the whole purpose of the gospel. All these other things clothe the naked. Thus says the Lord, share your bread with the hungry, share the gospel. Share Christ. Yes, share bread with them. But guess what? They're going to be hungry tomorrow. They're going to be hungry by the end of the evening. They're going to be back again. Sometimes not, that there's not always bread offered. But guess what? The real bread, the real sustenance is the word of God and the message of salvation. Once they have their faith in God, once they know that they have a heavenly father who cares for them and they have a savior who will liberate them from the captivity of sin, then they will know, then they will have hope, hope that they can get out of their situation, but also hope out of sin. Because even though people think that poverty, yes, poverty is an evil, but it's not, it's not always caused by political oppression and it's not always caused by a rich person. It's not always caused by that. It's not even caused always in a sense by... Uh, by those kinds of evils, it poverty can be caused by unfortunate circumstances such as bad weather. It can be even caused by war. It can even be caused by drought. It doesn't necessarily mean it's an evil caused by human intention, but it can be it can be caused by just natural natural causes and sometimes poverty can even be caused can be self-afflicted such as a father gambling alcoholism drugs abuse of 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 the of the family property and money and fortune it could be self-inflicted an evil caused by by uh you know decadence or, or carelessness or abuse. Those are in a sense, you know, we have to remember there are different ways of causes causes for, for evil. So yeah, it's but also you can also the poor can be abused, politically abused. They can be <coughs> excuse me, abused by some political party, such as the Democrats, such as they exploit the poor. They exploit race, but also, you can also exploit people financially. How many of you get spam phone calls on your phone? How many people have been, you know, uh, you, get, you get charity people coming up to you, begging, claiming that they're here for a particular charity and they want to, um, you know, literally, they try to scam the, the people from their money 
and the elderly. The elderly are constantly scammed and they can be destroyed. There's dozens of ways your poverty can be caused by a family member who robs you. It can be caused in many different ways. And this is something that people lose focus on. But still, in the eyes of God, the worst poverty is spiritual. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It does not matter at all. That's why, what did Christ say? It is easier for a camel to go to the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And sometimes the rich are too comfortable. But even a poor person, even a person who is not rich and comfortable in their sin will not give up their sin to enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay? We have to remember that. Sin can, can oppress people. Even a political person. A political person worships politics. Some men worship some men worship sex and orgies and all kinds of ways. Some worship drugs. Some worship alcohol. Some people worship nature in place of God. It doesn't matter. Sin is sin and it affects everybody. There are people who even now today, they think that... Um, the church is is uh, unjust towards um, trans or LGBT people. Uh, the church should accept that members of the church should accept them. What do they mean by that? Accept them in their sin? If a man commits adultery, is that acceptable? He wants to continue. If the man has, if the man is a, is uh, sexually exploiting women and children. Should we accept him into the church? Even though we know that he's still committing that sin? Remember what our Lord said. New wine cannot be placed into old wineskins. Or else the wine will expand and the skins will burst. And both the wine and the skins are lost. New wine must be placed into new wineskins. Now, that could be, that was often, that's often used as a metaphor for the gospel and the old covenant. But in the end, it also can mean the gospel, a new way of life, cannot fit into an old way of life. Because the two will not cooperate together. You can't take the gospel, which is a new way of life, and it demands radical conversion, radical change of thought, change of thinking, and expect it to fit into an old sinful life that will not change, that refuses, refuses to. That's why old wineskins are already been used and are stiff. And therefore, when you mix a new way of life and try to conform it to an old way of life, 
it will not work. It will the the the, the wine skin is stubborn. It will not change. Just like a stubborn person who does not want to give up a sinful life has to change. And so therefore what happens is it will burst. And both are lost. So think about that very carefully. When people talk about the church accepting uh, yes, we want everybody to convert. We want everybody. We want everyone to be accepted. But if the gospel is not changing you, then what's the point? The whole point of accepting Christ in your life is a complete radical change. Now, sometimes seed takes time, the new seed, the seed of the gospel takes time to grow and to, to flourish. And it's true. It does take time for some people. It takes time for all of us. All right, let's move on to the next. Okay. Psalm 112. The just man is light is is a light in darkness to the upright alleluia the just man is light in darkness the just man is a light in the darkness to the upright alleluia let sh light shines through the darkness for the upright he is gracious and merciful and just well for the man who is gracious and lens, who conducts his affairs with justice. The just man is a light in darkness to the upright. Alleluia. He shall never be moved. The just one shall be an everlasting remembrance. An evil report he shall not fear. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. The just man is a light in darkness to the upright. Alleluia. His heart is steadfast. He shall not fear. Lavishly he gives to the poor. His justice shall endure forever. His horn shall be exalted in glory. The just man is a light in darkness to the upright. Alleluia. All right, let's look at this a little bit. Light shines through the darkness for the upright. He is gr okay, light shines in the darkness through the darkness for the upright. I guess that would that would, the best way to look at it is this way. Is that no matter how bad things are in your life, God is present. God is present. You're not alone. You are, we are not alone, no matter how bad, how dark things get in our lives. He, he will not turn his back on us. He will not abandon us to evil. 
and I, I would, I would have to say that is true because we have to, we have to think about this. No matter how bad things are, we should not despair. Why? Why despair? Why suddenly believe that it's hopeless? Because we live in a society now that is very, very um, cold. It's, you know, I see it. You know, I work at a cultural institution and you see these people walking through these doors, walking through a, into a museum. That, coming into the place like if it was a religious temple. They're lonely. Either they, if they have kids, their elderly, their, their children don't have time for them. Or they don't have children because they, they follow, they follow the radical individualistic idea of life and decided not to have kids. And now they're living, they're, they're desperately trying to find contact to something because human beings were made, were made for relationships. We're made for some form of relationship. Either we have a relationship with God or we are, we're made for some relationship with friends and family. But we're told not to do that. You know, uh, don't, don't have kids, save the planet. That's what we're told now. But here he is gracious and merciful and just. Well for the man who's gracious and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. Now, from the perspective of scripture, from the perspective of the Bible, this man, the individual, and we couldn't even say, yes, it can be man or woman, but is this is an individual who is content with having God in his or her life. This is an individual who is happy. And yes, if this person is if this person who is rich, rich in, in, in material wise, and is content with God in his or her life, then this person has is far more richer than a materialistic person. Even though, yes, sometimes God blesses people with lots of money. Like we have a lot of people in our society with lots of money, but don't have God in their life. And some people, they try to hold on to this world as desperately. Money, they realize a lot of people who have lots of materialistic wealth and only looks to look to their materialistic wealth as the answer find themselves guarding it more than ever because it gives them power. It gives them prestige. People respect you. People like you and you're rich and you like the way people treat you. You love the way they bend over backwards for you. 
but your life is empty. But then there's the rich person who is happy, even more in joy for what the next life will bring because he will be in the he or she will be in the presence of God forever. And they realize that the wealth they have was a way for God to use to 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 do to do good to give glory to God and to help to help make the to help build the faith and to help build people's lives to bring them to him to bring them to 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 Christ just like the fishermen just like the apostles were fishermen some of them and they go out of their way to help build bridges to God and that that they were blessed with I mean think about it if you realize that if you see this regardless of the George Soros or the Bill Gates or the Charles Schwab's they focus on this world they focus only on this world and All they can think of is this world. Well, for the man who is gracious and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. This is a person who walks always with God in present in their hearts. And he, he or she, he or she sees that they can be used to help people. He shall never be moved, meaning sin or whatever ideologies of the world will never move this person. The just one shall be an everlasting remembrance. But this is also talking about Christ. An evil report he shall not fear. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord, even when others hate you. You'll be surprised. It happens in every single generation. My favorite was St. Thomas More. He was a family man. He was a lawyer. He was a judge. He was a friend to King Henry VIII. And his faith, because of his faith, let's say he burned all the bridges, even the, even the bridges with his with his with the king, but they wouldn't leave him alone. When the king broke away from the Catholic Church and he created his own church, even though the king tried to leave him alone, even though they knew they were never friends again, the enemies, those those around the king wanted to attack Thomas More, and they pushed the king to attack him. Eventually, Thomas More was arrested. He was charged with treason, and then he was sentenced to death by having his head cut off. That's an example to me. That's a model Catholic, because Thomas More was a philosopher. He He was a man of faith. He loved his wife and children, but he wanted to be left alone. He didn't look for trouble. Unfortunately, trouble came to him. And that's what happens. It's going to happen to a lot of the a lot of us of faith. Okay. 
His heart is set fast. He shall not fear. Lavishly he gives to the poor. His justice shall endure forever. His horn shall be exalted in glory. The horn in the Bible represented the strength, like the horn of a bull represented strength. And it represents a firm strength in the faith, in the faith in, in, in God. All right, let's move on. All right. Uh, a reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 1 to 5. I have announced to you the mystery of Christ crucified. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming the mystery of God, I did not come with sublimity uh, of words or of wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and my proclamations were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a tremendous uh, demonstration of spirit and power, so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Okay, one more time. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming the mystery of God, I did not come with a sublimity of words or wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit and power, so that your faith might, re might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. Okay, so... Paul is St. Paul is saying here is that this is when when he finally like he started going into deeper into Greece and he went into Corinth and um he was bringing his gospel to Gentiles not to uh Hellenistic Jews these are Jews who live in who embrace the Greek culture while still kept their Judaism, but they, in a sense, embraced, uh, they became like secularized. I mean, to be, come back then to become a, a, um, a Roman, uh, to live in a Roman Greek culture and then to, to, um, to embrace it in a sense, you're, you're, you know, you want, you want the, 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 the benefits of the Greek Roman culture while still trying to keep your 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 Jewish faith but in a sense it's like it's like you can you can look at uh, say someone like Ruth Ruth Bader Ginsburg right the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg she was Jewish and she lived more in a secular culture and while her while her identity she still held on to her Jewish her Jewish roots Notice I said Jewish roots, but not so much Jewish faith. A lot of Jews are like that, like 
Chuck Schumer. Senator Chuck Schumer is a good example of that. And there's a lot of others. You know, you probably wouldn't even know they were Jewish, but they were. They are. And so, in this case, they lived in a pagan culture. And they, you probably didn't even know they were Jewish, except if they told you they were Jewish. Or maybe they might, some of them might dress with some... Uh, uh, some Jewish uh, way uh, in Hellenistic, but in a very different way. So they were always called the Hellenists. In a sense, in the Bible, when you mean when you term the Hellenist, it always refers to Hellenistic Jews. While the term uh, Hellenist, like say among the Romans, might refer to Greeks who live in a Roman culture. You see, it's just a context is different. Well. Paul decided he wanted to be the apostle to the Gentiles, and he decided to go really out to them. And he he was taking a big risk. He was taking a big risk because now he's out of the the comfort zone of the of the Christian Jewish world. Now he's bringing Christianity to a non-Jewish world, a completely pagan world. And so it's a big risk. And like he says here, I came to you um, with no subtlety, no subtlety, you know, I, uh, or were, um, not, I did not come with a sublimity of words of wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ crucified, him crucified. So he was really bringing something completely alien to that to that to that pagan world. I mean, think about it. When he went to the Greek-speaking Jews, to the to the Hellenists, they at least knew the scriptures in a Greek context, a translation not in Hebrew, but in Greek. And Paul knew Greek. So he had some advantage. But now you're bringing not just Christ, but Judaism to an alien world that did not know nothing about, about Christ. And they had no knowledge of Judaism. So it was completely empty. You know, he, he was completely going to alien waters. He was going to a, he was going to a dangerous uh, situation here. So I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling and my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom but with demonstrations of spirit and power so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom but on the power of God. So he was really going, you know, he really had to trust the Holy Spirit. He had to trust Jesus that this is going to work. And he, and he probably, he, he, he was probably with a lot of, I mean, in some cases, there was some fascination with him. People were fascinated when he was talking about. Others, remember, he was also going to a pagan world where he was going to take away, if he started winning followers, if he started winning converts, he was taking them away from the pagan temples 
And then we're going to abandon the pagan temples and convert to Christianity. Not even a, a Hellenistic Christianity, but Christianity with no Jewish roots at all. And, and he was going to build a serious, serious enemies here. The, the philosophers were going, to, were going to think of him as a, as a, as a danger because he's going to take away people from them. Not to mention they were also pagan, but the, he was going to take he was going to take followers from them, and so he was he was going out on a limb there. He was really going to uh, uncharted waters, and he was successful. He was successful, so he had to demonstrate the faith in his actions, in his words. He had to to really work, you know, really touch their heart and soul in order to win them over. And thanks be to God, he was successful. All right, let's move on. Alleluia, alleluia. I am the light of the world, says the Lord. Whoever follows me will have the light of life. Alleluia, alleluia. This is from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 8, verse 12. Our reading is going to be the Gospel according to St. Matthew. Chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. You are the light of the world. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the light. I'm sorry. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before, the, before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The gospel of the Lord praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. One more time. Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right. So, I want to focus, uh, start focusing on the last line. Just so your light must shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly father. That is the goal. To glorify the heavenly father. 
I don't think we do that enough. I don't think we, we think about that enough. Because you cannot love Christ without loving the Father. And you cannot know Jesus Christ if you don't know the Father. And that light, that light, that love, the love, the light, the bond is the Holy Spirit that guides us to know the Father and the Son and to love the Father and the Son. And the power of the Holy Spirit is God himself who constantly is gives us the wisdom and knowledge and guides us through what actions we should take and when we should keep silent, when we should be careful. The Holy Spirit guides us. It's the Spirit of both the Father and the Son in us, guiding us, uniting us to them, to, 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 to the one God. The, it's the light. And even I would say it's the seasoning. It's the salt, the salt that keeps that no that we have to share. So you are the light of the world. Christ is the light of the world. Christ is the light of the father. Right. And so that light, that bond, that love is the father and the son through the Holy Spirit. Communicating to us. You are the light of the world. Okay, first, you are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. If that salt is loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. In other words, you're wasting it. You're wasting it. And if you're not, you know, you know if, you, if you are not really taking it seriously, if you do not have this faith in you, if you do not have the salt and the and and the light in you, it is a waste of time. It, and that means faith. That means love and faith. You need this. You need that in you. You need the presence of, of the faith and grace and the presence of the Father and Son in you. You need to have love for them and you need because you're not going to be doing, you're not going to be, it's going to be useless. It's going to be a waste of time. You need to have that relationship with them before you can go out and into the world. You need to have that relationship with God before you can go out into the world. Before you can do anything, you have to make sure you have a solid relationship. That you're familiar with with. with with God's grace, that you're familiar with the gospel, that you have love. That's why work on ourselves first before we can do it with others. And then others can see it in time. It'll become natural. You know, it shouldn't even be work. It should be natural. You do it through friendship. The Trinity works through our actions, our friendship, and how we 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 become good friends to others. We need that. And it says here. Okay. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden. 
nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. So all of us, the kingdom of God is the believers. It's not just a physical city. It is us. It is us living the gospel every single day. It is us expressing God's love and being light, showing people the light to the gospel by our lives, by our actions, by our words. Really, it's Christ working in us and and expressing this, sharing this with everybody. We need to do that. We need to show this. We need to express this. We need to do this in a serious way. Show our love and our and our passion for, for Christ. And not do it in a preachy way, in a cheap way. Not forcing it on them, but communicating gently. Communica- communicating with our lives and our actions and our friendships. And we need to do that. And sometimes we, you know, yeah, we do mess up. We do mess up. We do mess up. And we need, and and yes, and there's going to be conflict. It's not, not everybody's going to be the same. Not everybody is going to react the same way. And then you're going to get people that are not going to like you. And they're going to say bad things about you. They're going to call you religious fanatic. It's going to happen. You know? And and yes, I'm not going to say it's not going to hurt. It will hurt. It's not fun when people mock you. It's not fun when people talk bad about you. It's not fun when they, you know, they, you know, they, it just happens. It's just the way it is. You need to develop tough skin. And in time, it gets easy. But you need to build that relationship with him. People said bad things about Christ. People said bad things about the apostles. People said horrible things about them. And and you know what? It's big deal. Because you're going to get people who will like you. And that's and you and you're going to get people who will see the message. Focus on your strength where it needs to be focused on. And I'm telling you, you'll see it. You'll see it. So, what is it in the end? Again, like it says here, a city set on a hill and uh, on, on, on a mountain cannot be hidden. They'll see the path and they'll see the goal. The goal is the kingdom of heaven. The goal is, is God. And then the other part here, You cannot take a bushel basket and set it on a lampstand where it gives, uh, you know, you know, you know, you know, you you can't take a bushel. You can't take a lamp and put it under a bushel basket and hide it. It's useless if it's hidden. You have to put it on the lampstand so everybody can see the light. And everybody can be drawn to it. Okay. 
Okay, it has to be a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. And that house is the house of God. That house is the church, wherever it may be. Remember what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be there among them. Give, don't, you gotta give, you gotta give light. You have to focus on these things. You have to do it. Give light. You have to be the light. You have to be the instrument that Christ, you have to be the, you know what? You be a candle, be an oil lamp and do it in a gentle, gentle way. Do it in a way that really works. You know, gently talk to them. Be friends with them. And you know what? Little gifts. You can give them a a New Testament with Psalms. You can give them a little Bible. It will work. Trust me, it will work. It will work. And it gives you give glory to the Father. You will give glory to your heavenly Father. It will work. All right, let's end it here. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Jesus, Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now, the hour of our death. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. St. Michael, Archangel of God, defend us in the day of battle. Be our protection against the wild and wicked attacks of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And now, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen.